0: I was thinking about everyone in your homes, stuck in your homes, not able to leave, and I thought about the scripture, Jesus, as he concluded the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, he said, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. We've heard this song before, wise man built his house upon the rock. And I began to think of it, and Jesus said, he said, The rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. But then he says, And every one of, everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. I'd like to encourage each and every one of us during this time to check the foundations of our homes. Check the foundation of our house. Make sure that it's founded upon God's word, the truth of who he is, that it's not on our own strength, but we're relying on his spirit in these troubling and last days. And if we'll do that, then our homes, our houses, our families will be founded upon that strong foundation, that rock, and no matter what the wind and the rain tries to dictate, we'll come out of this stronger than we ever have before. Amen. God bless you. We are glad that you joined us today online. We'd like to say praise the Lord, everybody. We pray that you and your family are safe and healthy during this time, and it is going to be such an exciting day when all these seats can finally be filled again. Amen. And we can worship together. Amen. It's going to be a Pentecostal church service, if I've ever seen one, the first service back here. Can you imagine what it's going to be like? If you're at home and you'd like to stand, I'm going to go into the reading of the Word. I'm going to turn to Exodus chapter 14, if you would turn with me. I'm going to read verses 10 through 12, verses 21 and 22 also want to announce quickly that if you're watching and you would like to give your tithes and offerings, we do have ways you can do that online. We have a, a text you can send in. You can also go to our website and give there. Very easy. I do it all the time. If you don't carry cash like me, if you don't write checks like me, you're only a card guy, then it, it'll make it easy for you. So I encourage you to go and give if you'd like to give, and God bless you for it. Exodus chapter number 14, I'm going to start with verse number 10. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, let us alone. In other words, leave us here, that we may serve the Egyptians. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. The Children of Israel in this moment, trapped between the sea and the Egyptian army, were desiring slavery again. They wanted the chains put back on. Exodus 14, 21 and 22 Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. By the help of the Lord this morning, just going to preach for a few moments on this thought. I hope to encourage somebody here today. My thought this morning is, he'll make a way. He'll make a way. Why don't you wear your ad if you would just close your eyes with me, maybe lift up your hands, and let's ask God today in this service to speak to our hearts. Jesus, we thank you for your presence that's here. Thank you for the praise and worship that's gone up before your throne, everyone that's taken the time out of their day to watch online. We ask that you would anoint this word, that it would go forth, and that it would edify the body of Christ today. We'll give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. And if you're with me today, say Jesus' name. Jesus' name. God bless you. If you stood up off your sofa this morning, you can have a seat. I'm just going to pretend like you're with me. You're clapping your hands and you're saying amen. That'll make it a little more normal for everybody involved. He'll make a way. You know, fear is a powerful and primitive human sensation. Fear is part of life, and it's a God-given emotion. We, as human beings, rightly fear many things that are necessary to fear. Fear can be used as a tool in the positive sense to help us identify problems and solve them effectively. Fear serves as a red flag that warns us when something needs attention. My mind directly goes to my extreme fear of heights. I don't like being up high. It's not the fact that I'm up high. It's the fact that to get down takes quite a bit of effort, and it's quite a long ways. Fear is a red flag. serves as a warning. It gives some of us common sense, which is why, with my fear of heights, I will never jump out of an airplane. I make a vow to you before God today that I will never jump out of an airplane. Um, I have a strong opinion about things like that. I don't think it's wise to pray God keep you safe, but then go in an airplane and strap a uh, backpack on and jump out of an airplane. I think at that point in time, at that moment, you're on your own. You're all by yourself. Whether you pray for safety or not, God says you made this decision. Let's see how it works out. So that's why I will not jump out of an airplane. Fear is a powerful thing. So if you're with me today, say fear is powerful. It can be a positive emotion, but it can also produce negative outcomes in our lives as well. Fear and anxiety thrive when we as human beings imagine the worst. And out of control, imagination can be a nesting ground for anxiety and fear. And this nesting ground, this place of anxiety and fear will steal your peace, your joy, and ultimately your very life. Fear and doubt are common problems from which none of us are exempt. Nobody is exempt from these emotions. Today, we find ourselves in an uncertain place. Fear of what tomorrow holds for our families, for our friends, and our finances these things have no doubt entered into our minds during this current crisis. I know within the past few weeks, I have caught myself not only being afraid of of for health reasons, but even the economy and what does it mean for our jobs in the future? What does it mean for our income? What will it mean for the housing market? Will we be able to pay our bills? What if our, our companies begin to close and they have to cut back hours? What are we going to do in these instances? I work for a financial institution. And since they've passed the Paycheck Protection Program, our phones have been ringing off the hook. The money is pretty much dried up. A lot of businesses maybe didn't need it in the moment, but they understand the weeks ahead. They're afraid for being able to pay their employees, keep the lights on, pay the bills, the mortgage. So fear has gripped us in this time. And it's caused us to come to a place Of doubt and uncertainty for what the future holds. Perhaps some of our imaginations have become a nesting ground and anxiety has taken hold of us like it never has before. Well, it's my hope and my prayer today that the Lord, with his word, with the power and revelation of his word, extinguishes those negative thoughts and surrounds us today with his love and his hope. I pray that he does that where you're at today in your home. You may not understand how you're going to get through this, how your family's going to make it, but I pray that God's word encourages you today and brings you to a place of hope, restoration, and faith in him. Because he will never leave us, and he will never forsake us. In fact, I hope to convey to you that I believe as the church God has led us to this place. He has brought us to this place of uncertainty for a purpose. And that purpose is to prove himself. In John chapter 6, as Jesus, as he got through ministering to the crowd and he observed the crowd of 5,000, he turned and asked Philip, he said, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now this was an interesting question. Because Jesus knew that they did not have enough food. He knew there was no possible way, in a practical sense, that they could feed 5,000 plus people. So his question to Philip purposely led Philip. It purposely brought him to a place of doubt and uncertainty. Because his word tells us in John 6, 6, this he said to prove him for he himself knew what he would do. It's only a few short verses later that Jesus took a mere five loaves of bread and two fishes to perform one of the greatest miracles ever recorded in Scripture. But you see that place of doubt and uncertainty, that moment of fear and anxiety of how are we going to accomplish this, That place, however, was necessary for the miracle to happen. So today, I again bring you this word. We may be in a place of fear. Church, we may have doubts beyond anything we've ever had before. And uncertainty may abound in our lives and in our homes. But God has brought us here for a purpose. God has brought us here for a reason. And he is in control, he knows the answer, and he's going to make a way. So if you could with me, with all the faith that you have left in you in this moment, if you could just speak aloud, if you could with me for just a moment and say this, he will make a way. He will make a way. Why don't we just thank the Lord for that for a moment? Where you're at, just thank Jesus for that. He's brought us to this place, and he's going to make a way. Amen. Our opening text of Exodus chapter 14, we find Moses and Israel trapped and being pursued by Pharaoh and his armies. God's miraculous hand had brought them out of slavery in Egypt and had now brought them to a place where they were essentially backed into a corner. So if you go back and, and look, the children of Israel were in slavery. God raised up a deliverer in Moses. Moses went in, and, and by the miraculous hand of God, the children of Israel were brought. Finally, after their years and years of praying, they were finally brought out of slavery. But where did God bring them? He brought them miraculously from slavery, performed miracles, signs, and wonders, the likes of which no one had ever seen, only to bring them to a very troublesome place. God had strategically placed his people in this position, telling Moses at the beginning of Exodus chapter 14, Speak, and this is 14 verse number 2, Speak unto the children of Israel that they turn and encamp before p Hareroth between Migdal and the sea, over against Baal-Zephon. Before it, he said, shall ye encamp by the sea. So if we notice here, God has taken his people and strategically placed them in an uncomfortable situation. Now, what sense does that make? Have you ever had someone you felt like they led you to a place to fail? Have you ever felt like they had led you to a place where you would not succeed? Maybe it's on the job. You have a, a supervisor. You have somebody that has set you up to make you fall and make you fail. Anybody ever felt that way? Well, God's people felt this way. They felt like they had been placed in a precarious situation with their backs against the wall only to fail, only to die, only to be brought to this place and lose all hope. They stood trapped between Pharaoh's army, which was behind them, slavery on one side and what we learn and understand to be the Red Sea in front of them on the other side. There was no way that the women, the children, the men, and the elders, that they could take their livestock, they could take their chariots, they could take their horses and their homes across the Red Sea. The only other alternative, the only other option was slavery, which was behind them. There was no way out of this situation. And as the people lifted up their eyes and they observed the situation, They became afraid and frustrated towards their leader. They pointed their finger back at Moses in Exodus 14, verse 11 and 12. They said, because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, leave us here? Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. So the people lifted up their voice to their leader. They saw the situation they were in. And all of a sudden, they desired to go back to what they used to do. You know, it's interesting when life throws turmoil at us, we have the same opportunity to respond in the positive or the negative. If we look at our, our own lives, maybe even in our homes today, if we're not careful during this time of isolation, during this time of question and, and un, uncertainty, we may find ourselves returning to things that we used to be free from. We may find ourselves returning to desires in the heart that we used to have. When we get put in situations where we have to trust the Lord, where we don't have uh, somebody else guiding us and directing us, but we've got to put total faith and trust in God, it often reveals what's on, in the, on the inside. It often reveals the desires of the heart in ways nothing else ever does. So here, the children of Israel, it was revealed what was really inside of them in this moment. They desired to go back to the way things used to be. They desired desired to go back to slavery. All of a sudden, the the handcuffs and the chains that, that once weighed them down and were uncomfortable seemed like a good idea. What a dangerous place this is. We should never get to that place. We should never come to the place in our lives where things get thrown out of whack and out of turmoil, but we desire to go back to what we used to be. Once we've been set free, we ought to continue marching on we got to keep moving forward. Don't turn back to the right or to the left, but keep marching forward. So Moses in Exodus 14, verse 13 and 14, he responded to the people. He said to them, fear ye not, but stand still. Give up control and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Now this is interesting to me. Um, I don't have some deep insight into Moses' mind. I can't read his mind, but I do we, a lot of times we put characters in Bible up on a pedestal. I always think about Elijah. The Bible says that he was a man just like us. And he was subject to like passions, meaning he struggled like we struggle. He was flesh like you're flesh and I'm flesh. So Moses here gives a courageous speech, and he should be applauded for it. And again, I can't see into his mind, but I truly believe that Moses, while he spoke courageously, had absolutely no idea how God was going to help them in this situation. He had no clue he had no foresight that what God was about to do would be one of the greatest things we've ever seen. But what Moses did know was that God had not brought them to this place to kill them. He didn't understand how it was going to turn out. He didn't understand the, uh, the physics of how they were going to get out of this situation. He didn't have it all mapped out. But what he did understand was that God would deliver them what he did understand is, although they were trapped on every side, that God would make a way. All he knew was God certainly would help them. Moses understood they had been brought to a bad place, an impossible place of fear and doubt. But he also understood that God would somehow prove himself and make a way. Exodus fourteen twenty one and 22. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. As Moses stretched out his hand, we've all seen the pictures a thousand times. We've seen Charlton Heston in all his glory lift up his hand over the Red Sea. We can imagine it, just how powerful, just how great this miracle was. As Moses lifted up his his hand over the sea, God miraculously parted the waters. And Moses and the children of Israel crossed on dry ground. Not only did they walk across the sea on the sand, but the, the sand was made dry to prevent any sort of hiccups along the way. Pharaoh and his army would ultimately continue their pursuit, but God closed the waters covering the chariots, the horsemen, and all the armies of Pharaoh. Israel, Moses, and the people of God have been delivered from the hands of Egypt once and for all. God made a way. Say it with me. God made a way. One of the most powerful songs we sing is, He'll make a way out of no way. Think about the... the recent song that was popular for a while that said, when our backs are against the wall and it looks as if it's over, he'll make a way. Those are powerful words to sing and it's encouraging words to sing. We often say it, sing it, we shout over these words, but I wonder if we truly realize what is involved in order for this to happen. In order for the Lord to make a way when none seems to exist, means that we have to have been allowed by His power to get into a place we can't escape without a miracle. We do believe in miracles. We desire them. We pray, God, give us miracles, signs, and wonders in these last days. You've probably prayed that prayer just as much as I have. God, give us miracles. God, open the eyes of the blind. God, open the ears of the deaf. God, cause there to be a financial miracle. Let's see the dead raised. These are all exciting things that we pray and shout over. I've prayed these earnestly just like you have. But I wonder if our vision of how that comes to pass differs from how God sees that path. We see it in the context of these four walls, and we see uh, the, the wheelchair coming up front and the lame leaping. We see the, the, the deaf ears opening and the blinded eyes open We Picture and imagine those miracles, and I believe we'll see it in our day. We'll see it in this church. But I wonder if we've understood the road that it takes to get to that place. If we understand the path that we have to walk down in order to get to those miracles. We often overlook this path. We often overlook this, if I could liken it to a soil, if you're a planter, if you like to. Uh, Plant things, if you like to grow in your garden, you understand that the soil has to be a certain way in order for uh, there to be life, in order for it to grow. There's a certain soil that needs to be in order for the miraculous to happen. There's a certain foundation that has to be before us in order for God to work his best. And that soil is this it's the impossible. It's the impossible. You see, God who loves us beyond our own understanding, He seeks to send us into fearful, dark, and impossible places so that only He can miraculously change our direction. He seeks to change our direction and make a way so that we will lose focus on ourselves and turn our attention to Him. I was talking with some of the brothers before our our service here this morning, and I I told how it was interesting in the Old Testament, you could read how uh, the children of Israel, God's people would lose their direction, they would lose their vision, and God would then place them under a time of plague. God would then place them in a time of fear and uncertainty, only to turn their hearts back to Him. And he would tell them always, if you will turn to me and repent, if you'll turn to me in prayer, if you'll refocus yourself to me, I'll stay this plague. I'll pull it back off to you, and I will work miracles among my people. He seeks to change our direction. We desire the miraculous. We desire these things in our church. But God has brought us, I believe, to the soil of what seems like the impossible, the soil of uncertainty and fear so that he can do his best work, so that he can make a way and turn our attention from ourselves and back on him. You see, God arranged the situation at the Red Sea, if we understand from start to finish. He brought them to that terrible, dark, and uncertain place, and he will bring us to a place and has brought us to a place of impossibility because he is the one who loves to deliver and demonstrate how much he cares and controls all things. I'm getting ready to close this morning. If the musicians, if you would join me. If you're watching this morning and you've ever been a part of our services here, you know that we have great church. We have great church. I remember my wife and I have been here a few years now, but Several years before moving here, we'd come often to visit. We've got family here, and I can remember being part of our praise and worship services here and thinking nobody does praise and worship like APT. Nobody, it, it was just a, there was a, 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 a liberty, a freedom. There's, there's never a dull praise and worship here. I, I kind of find it funny because there are some, there's some days we're in the flesh sometimes, and we say, man, people weren't getting with it today but when you've been on the other side of that you've seen how other churches praise and worship sometimes we've got it going on our worst days are better than some people's good days so I'm thankful for the praise and worship that we have at this church we are a blessed people may not be the case today but preaching is always on point at this church (laughs) don't turn that dial don't turn the channel but we have great praise and worship We have great ministering of the word here. And so it's been tough. It's been frustrating to go from that place, that place of blessing, that place of God pouring out his spirit, that place of people receiving the Holy Ghost, getting healed, our powerful prayer meetings. We had just started having some great pre-service prayer meetings. We've gone from that place to this place. This place of fear, uncertainty. Will we ever be the same again? When we do reopen up, who's even going to still be here? Who's going who's gonna to come back? Who are we not going to see? But as we've observed today by God's word, God will move us from a place of comfort to a place of uncertainty in order to prove himself and make a way. After the miracle of loaves of bread and fishes that I referenced earlier, remember God spoke to Philip and he performed that miracle. That was a great service of miracles. Never been anything like it. God multiplied the loaves of bread and the fishes, fed over 5,000. There was food left over. It was incredible. But immediately after that service, immediately after the high that they were on from that miracle, the Bible says in Matthew 14, verse 22, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship. And If you look at that word constrained, he made them do it. He forced them. So I imagine there was a, a little bit of resistance on the disciples' part. This doesn't seem like a good idea, Jesus, to get into the ship. But Jesus said, no, you've got to get on this ship. I'm telling you right now to get on the ship. Jesus constrained his disciples. And to go before him unto the other side. They got into the ship to go to the other side. While Jesus sent the multitudes away. Verse 24 says, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. So picture this with me. Immediately coming from a place of blessing, of Jesus working miracles. The disciples walk out of that moment feeling empowered, feeling encouraged, only to have Jesus say, get on this ship and go out into that place of danger and uncertainty where you're tossed to and fro, fearing for your life. He immediately took his disciple from a a promising place, a place of miracles, signs and wonders, got them into a boat and sent them headstrong into a storm. But this, why? So he could prove himself and make a way when there seemed to be no way. Matthew 14, 25 says, And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. So today, as we have, as the church, been brought to an uncertain place, been brought to a place of fear and doubt, I'm proclaiming to you, I'm trying to encourage you today, do not fear. Do not be afraid, but in the distance, look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our situation. Let's trust him to prove himself and to make a way. If you could, just for the next few moments as we sing, if you would lift your hands with me wherever you're at and let the Spirit of the Lord enter into your home, enter into your situation, and encourage you. Would you sing with me? Would you lift your hands? Oh, and let's pray together. I
1: worship you. You are here rearranging destinies. I worship you. Oh, I worship you. Keep a light in the darkness worker uh, promise keeper uh, lie in the garden
0: maker. Why don't you just give him some praise. Thank you, Jesus, for making a way. God, we know you've brought us to an uncertain place. We know you brought us to what seemed like a dark place. But God, we trust you're going to deliver us. We trust every step has been ordered. And we give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Today, church, we are absolutely in a place of fear and uncertainty. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but I hope you've been encouraged today to understand that God has ordered these steps. He has brought us here to reveal some things in us, but most of all, to reveal Him and who He is, and to prove that no matter the situation, He will make a way. God bless you. We love each and every one of you. We pray that your homes are blessed Till we meet again. I also want to announce real quick It it almost slipped my mind, but today is Sister Leslie Kahn's birthday, so be sure and send her a text, call her, go on her Facebook wall and put the funniest gift you can find and wish her a happy birthday. Sister Leslie, happy birthday. We love you. And anybody else's birthday who it is out there, she shares it with you. Happy birthday to you. God bless you. We love each and every one of you.